0: scruffy audio network
1: the old clap hey we're finally doing it once again on a friday morning uh hot august days in the wood gym i got a special guest here today um he's a also an italian guy uh, i think he's from missouri i don't know a lot about him so i'm gonna know a little bit more and ask us some in-depth questions today his name is tony now listen i can't get his last name right a lot so everybody's like vitello correcto hello look at me with english i was so bad in english in college oh my god that's one of the many classes i flunked counting twice all right tony how are you my man i'm doing very well good to be here (laughs) okay I text him over, uh, Vanilla, and he was like, what does that mean? I was like, okay, that's enough. I'm not even going to push that button. So I want to bring him up. I want to ramp this guy up. This guy is like James Brown in the music business. He's a hard-working dude. So the first time I met him, uh, we had a great conversation at Kazi, He's one of our local joints we like to dine at, get a kale salad together, and we share it with two forks. So it's kind of sweet. Is he goes, he's, well, we we don't want to tell everybody what we do, but he goes, gets after it. Tony, I always open up the show with a question for the athletes or the CEOs or whoever's rolling through here at the wood gym of type A personality guys. You're one of them. I wanted you to be in here. You come work out in the morning some. You're a busy guy. I love your energy. I love your grind. You're a wood gym guy. When did you know that you were different but with you, since you're a coach, when did you know you wanted to be a baseball coach
0: um you, you know I think the writing was on the wall um i I was always kind of on the grind to to make the team because I wasn't the high you know highest skill level guy, and you know I finally adopted that work ethic. I think my first year at University of Missouri, which was my third year of school, I came from a junior college and um you know, kept pushing, 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 and, and and made the team, and and I knew that being a part of that team was going to help me coach at the highest level of college baseball. There's kind of an unwritten rule that you you kind of coach at the level you stop playing at. There's not many NFL coaches that didn't play in the NFL. Now there's exceptions to that rule, in some pretty good ones, but it's you know, baseball's a game of percentages. That's how my brain's always thinking. But I think when I kind of knew that I was going to make that team at Missouri and be a part of a Big 12 conference team, I knew that I could then have one foot in the door to coach when my time was done playing.
1: So uh, we have this summer I've had tons of junior college guys. So is that a route that a lot of people take? Yeah, unfortunately,
0: uh, you know, we live in a day and age, you and I were talking, where you base whether your day was good or not on how many likes you got on social media and how much you can brag or or stick your chest out based off of that stuff, as opposed to like type A personality. What you say, um, you, you know, what you did with with your day, uh, substance wise, seems to have lost value. And what you can do in junior college has a lot of substance. You can really grow as a as a young person, regardless of what sport it is, and you can get the repetitions you need to become the best overall player you can be. But what you don't get is to fly the flag outside your parents' house. You know, I play at UT or the checkered, you know, orange and white all over the place. And you could insert other schools as well. But it's a pride check a little bit, to be honest with you. And unfortunately, um, some people look down on that route. Uh, But I think a part of being a great athlete is know thyself. And for me, like I said, I knew – I just was going to be good enough to make the team. I wasn't good enough to be a superstar in a Big 12 conference, but that path I took was going to be one, like I said, that opened up
1: other doors like it did for coaching. So the junior college route, <clears throat> I know. It, it, I don't know if it's different for football. Most of my football guys that do uh, the JUCO and then go over to UT for two years or wherever they go, it's usually grades. But I had a kid this summer, Ross McHenry, Michael McHenry's um, – cousin that played in the big leagues and i trained for you know 12 years he was at mtsu as a catcher now he's at motlow state and hell his goal is to get over to ut Mm -hmm. so that's a different route isn't it
0: no it it is that that's kind of what i did i went from a four-year school that was really small went to the juco so that i could go to a bigger school uh now mtsu isn't a small school it's a mid-major that's a pretty good program but um it's all about you know I, i heard a very smart Uh, coach speak once and he said it's very important to go to the point you want to be at so look ahead what's your vision what's your goal what's your end game and then you got to press rewind on the vcr and be realistic about where you're at now and then you have to map out that uh, that kind of roadmap actually is the way i should say it between point a and point b And a lot of people just see the end game. That's what I want. That's what I want. And we live in a day and age of instant gratification. And all the people that come through here and work in the wood gym, they have that vision, but they know it's not just a want it, you know, or snap your fingers and it's going to happen. You got to press rewind on the VCR and say, where am I at now? And then these two points are pretty distant. So how am I going to do it? Or what's the grind to get me from
1: one point to the other? So do you recruit? I mean, do, you, do the junior college people, do you have more than normal? On, on, I know you have a huge roster. Right. Right. How many you carry on a roster right now? Well, you're allowed to
0: have 35. Our target is always to have 40. And we've been through a little bit of a filtering out process of, you know, the old coaching staff to the new coaching staff. It doesn't matter who you are, who you're following, how great anyone was or how much better this or that is. You want to be in a boat with the people that you've selected. So that if it goes down, there's no regrets. And if it sails correctly, you know, you feel good about the decisions you made and you have 100 percent ownership in the thing. So, you know, we, we inherited some nice pieces, but we're getting to the point where it's kind of 100 percent our boat. Um, and, and in doing so, you know, my goal would be to have 40 guys and, you know, eventually you have to cut it down to 35. Sometimes that happens by way of injury or attrition, or you just have a guy like myself as a player that, you know, isn't quite ready or isn't quite good enough. So he's got that option to, you want to stay here and stick it out and find a way to prove people wrong or make a jump that's necessary to play at this level, or do you want to move on? And sometimes it's not a bad thing to move on because that junior college route that some of the guys you work with are taking, they're taking the necessary steps and kind of taking the sacrifice now, enjoy later approach because they're going to get repetitions they normally wouldn't have gotten.
1: Yeah, because I got guys from uh, you know all these schools Motlow State, Walter State, Roan State, and all these kids that come in here are grinders. I mean they're they're wood gym guys, they're getting after, but it's not like they're going off to the University of Tennessee where, you know, the the clubhouse is gorgeous, right? I mean where the
0: guys are spoiled and I I don't want to cut you off, but it's kinda it popped into my head. I experienced junior college. We would go on the road and get five (laughs) dollars and you'd go into Burger King and you wouldn't order based off of what you wanted to eat you'd order how do i get as much food as possible for five bucks because that's all i get our guys go to cheesecake factory um then they go back to the hotel and they get massages and treatment and you know on and on and on
1: so to me it's like the show compared to the guys that i train again that are taking the buses and have this much right yeah
0: yeah but the the point i got excited about is junior college is almost kind of a parallel to the wood gym it's you know the Wood Gym to me is a place where you know it's got character if you want to call it that, but it's not fancy, and it basically makes the statement: you're not going to buy what you want to get. You know, Harrison Smith, if you want to be all pro in the NFL, or you want to win a Super Bowl. You ain't buying it. And unfortunately, as time goes on, and there's more infomercials, and there's more things you can just buy on your iPad, or you know, you listen to a David Goggins podcast or yourself. Just because you listen to the damn thing doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to be a superstar and just because you order the ab dolly online doesn't mean you're walking around with a six-pack one week later. You're going to have to actually do the work. Those things may help in the process, but um, I, I just I think there's a mentality too much, especially now with the training that you can always buy and the equipment you can buy. I'm going to buy my way to what I want. And if I just go to UT and they give me all this equipment and they got the best coaches, then I'm going to be this great player. Well, no, you're not. It doesn't matter who your coaches are they should help you just like you help people in here but how many people have you had in here that don't have success that don't do more than you ask or at the very least meet your high demands in the middle
1: and that that's that's a, a what what a segue to the next part is that that's what we're talking about is like it's not to me like you said it's different with a big time coach like you with the recruiting of hey we have to have this facility well my facility to me is state of the art and and we we have that quote on the web page it 's not state of the art state of the heart, and you still have to do it and The biggest thing everybody talks about now is, like you said, like the abdali's online coaching and it 's like, well, you still have to have that program, and you still have the will of the want to do it now, going back to uh the recruiting and having your team, do you find it the same way you sound like me? The parallels of what we do is is really cool, and I think that's why we hit it off is. The authenticity and the integrity of the wood gym has to say the same. So it's like, it's just like Rocky 3 when Apollo takes Rocky down to where. Where he trained and said, see every fighter, see the eye of the tiger, see what that is. Everybody in here is the same way, but they're my guys. And and if you're not, usually weed out. I don't have to cut. If I fire somebody, it's usually cause, you know, the parents overdoting or we're not on the same page or the kids just not doing anything. Cause as you know, there's no sign on the building. There's no marketing. My marketing is the product on the field or on the court or on the track. Do you find that? When you took over the UT baseball program that you're like, okay, some of these guys aren't Tony V guys and I got to figure it out. And then once I get my stable of horses, now we can run.
0: A little bit, and yeah, I know there's no signage out front. I couldn't find the place when I first came, and it was winter time, which in Tennessee isn't as bad as St. Louis, where I'm from. But Rocky Four was kind of what I was thinking when you go to Moscow and you train in the in the snow, and you just grab whatever you grab a hammer or an axe and start. It was chopping. cold as hell, and yeah, it. you start chopping away. But that that's what makes it great. And 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 actually, what you said, um, you know about being a Tony Vitello guy, or I should say our coaching staff, was something that I actually warned others not to use that phrase. And Dave Serrano did a really good job of, I think – getting us back to a neutral ground whereas ut baseball had kind of dug itself a hole and it wasn't about whether you were the old coaching staffs guys or our guys because it doesn't matter who recruits you or you know I, I know you like saying that you know this guy's a patron guy because that means he's got he's a type a personality is what? right you but
1: thought. i didn't make them that way see that's exactly. what i wanted to say yeah, they and, found their place and was like this and, style's for me this is what i like right and
0: the one good thing about Instagram or Facebook or whatever that stuff. MySpace is, <laughs> you know, where, where I'm at with all that stuff. <laughs> I'm not on any of it, but you're creating your own brand via social media. Well, we tell our guys too, you do that every day. So Redmond Walsh was our closer. He's not, you know, Dave Serrano's group recruited him. Frank Anderson's, his pitching coach, I think has really helped him. All those people are just support system. Red, Redmond Walsh is the CEO of Redmond Walsh. And it's up to him to create his own future. And I haven't done it yet, but back when we had Max Scherzer at Missouri, we had T-shirts that said, create your own future. And part of that was about the individual, and it kind of came from the edge of we were a northern school and a southern conference, and people put ceilings on what University of Missouri baseball could do at that time. Well, for a couple years there, we had the best pitching staff in the country. And it was because there was a very unique group, and they still all stay together on group text, um, I'd be fired if anyone ever read those. But they got a a bunch of characters in that group, and they had some attitude to them, and it was they were going to create their own future. You weren't going to tell them what they can and can't do, including me. I was coaching them. I was going to give them a program and put them in an environment I thought could help produce success,
1: but those guys created their own future. So, okay, so, so you're saying when you got here, whatever I got here, I'm um, um, Tony with my coaching staff. I'm going to make it work. Or because it sounds like you're saying both is, hey, I had to cut trim some of the fat off the steak to make it our coaching philosophy or our coaching ways. Correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, there was a direct statement to the team that everyone has a blank slate. There were some guys that were labeled uh, basically the causes of lack of success the year before. Some of the struggles. There were guys who got suspended as they should have been Um Gave everyone a fresh start that was that 's one of the positives about switching jobs. Switching jobs sucks. You talk about moving and you know picking up the pieces you don 't know what you have what you don 't have we We made it very clear everyone starts with a blank slate, but starting with that very moment, including who 's got given the coach eye contact right now and who 's got the right posture during this meeting that 's going down on the sheet right now or the mental uh, you know the memory bank of what this guy 's all about so it it was a clean start, but, you know, guys had a, a chance to prove themselves. And if you don't, then then go away.
1: So, yeah, like, so because you're at an age where it's, you know, me going through the psych development of people of like 0 to 3, 3 to 5, 5 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 to 13, working with all my life coaches and therapists and sports psychology at college. That's basically who you are, you could tweak it. So when you get there, I'd like when you came over the house and we chatted a couple weeks ago, uh, we were talking about all the showcases that everybody goes to, and I get bombarded with that of like, oh, he's got to run this, run that. You hit a good point. Again, that's why I love you is you said, hey, I want to watch if he answers like number 72 here or right here, right here. You know, like you look at those little things. So when you take over a program, do you go, okay, that guy's got it, or I could work with it and massage it and make it better. I could adjust it.
0: The tacos were lovely, by the way. <laughs> you the crushed house. them. Yeah, the I,
1: guy's I, so <laughs> lean. It's always the lean guys that eat the most. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of made some several trips. But, uh, no, it was a good conversation we had because um, guys get inundated with showcase invites, and then the, it's all over social media. This guy ran this time. This guy threw this hard Well, why is Peyton Manning loved at Tennessee? Because he could win football games. Not because of how tall he was or how much arm strength he had. And and a lot of that is his presence. I mean, you meet the guy and two seconds later you're a huge fan. It doesn't matter if you cheered for him or you didn't back in the day. And it's because of that presence he's got. Mm -hmm. And so – you know, the times, we've got to look at him. I mean, if a guy runs a 7.560, he's nowhere as attractive as a guy that runs a 6.560. But how's that 6.560 guy act? How does he move? How does he react, like you said, when he's asked questions and things like that? It's, it's no one thing, but it's the total package. And a big part of the package to me is how is a guy going to act? And so going back to when we did get the job... It's like, hey, we made it very clear what approach we want to take with this program. We're blue collar. We're wood gym type environment. Does that geek you up or is it kind of we're going to have to cattle prod you a little bit? And, you know, when we first got here, we kind of had to put up with some of that stuff. And, you know, in year three, we don't need to anymore. And the culture's kind of not necessarily been completely established. I would never say that. But it is to a point where you're going to stick out if you don't fit in. We had it this summer and the guys will come to us before we got to go to the guys and they'll say hey you know we're putting all this work in and this guy's sleeping in the dorm room you know it doesn't fit and it's not necessarily tattletaling or anything like that it's accountability yeah i'm here to have success and this guy's not going to bring me down or get in my way
1: the team thing is huge i mean and that that's the difference of what i do to you do is you have a team so everybody has to You know, the whole thing that they said is like, I have to love my person next to me more than myself. Right.
0: Yeah. No, no question. I mean, you hate um, drawing the parallel or, or using the analogy of going to war and things like that. But, you know, it's a downsized version of what you have to do if you're in the Army or the Marines is you have to watch the other guys back as best as you can. Because if that doesn't reciprocate, you will literally lose your life.
1: And again, I've trained with the Army Rangers and the Navy SEALs, train them, not trained with them, but train them to get into it. And those guys are like this we got to love our brother more than myself. And Steve Nash talked about that, working with the uh, Golden State Warriors as a consultant is talking about you have to do that or it doesn't work. And, you know, that's another parallel that Papa Hoach and I talked about the coaching, the pitching coach in Knoxville. Luke Hochaver is his father, who you know well and played at the University of Tennessee. And I trained. Is we talked about fun of the game. And, and, and you, I don't know if you see it as much, but I know I see it with all the kids that are coming through doing the showcases. Nobody looks like they're having fun anymore when they're even training or on the field. Do you see that? Do you think that's an epidemic? They're not wrapped up in it. Whereas when we used to go
0: play in the neighborhood, We didn't have uniforms, you know, and I hate to sound overly old school, but it's a fact. The mailbox was second base and things like that.
1: Yeah. And you
0: you were just wrapped up in, you know, trying to win the damn thing. So you had bragging rights around the neighborhood for that day, or you didn't go home with a sour taste in your mouth.
1: You made a Frisbee a second base. I remember that shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so you just got caught up in winning. So at times, I think our assistant coaches are, are, you know, incredible at teaching Uh, and they really get into the intricacies of baseball. But every now and again, we pull them back and say, listen, if this is confusing you or in the heat of the moment, you don't remember this is exactly the way we do a rundown or whatever, just try and win the game. And if you're trying to win, it solves all problems. So if you're not sure where to go, what base to cover or where to back up, just go where you think you need to go to try and get the damn guy out so that um, you know we're winning the game. And and I think that's been lost because – Again, it's how do I showcase myself? How do I uh, create my own brand image and stick out from the other guys? And these people are watching me, so I have to act a certain way, and I don't want to screw up because then that's going to go in the notes that are on me. And and instead, you know, guys like Luke Hochaver, when they played the game, they just wanted to win. And so they made themselves as good as they can be, so they were good as an individual. But then they also were as good of a teammate as they could be because they wanted to win the game. And so now when Luke Hochaver comes around Tennessee, I still see the image of Luke throwing a baseball at Tennessee because I was a few years younger than him, and that was as perfect a delivery as you could have. And that stuff was electric, good enough to be on a World Series team. I know that. Some of our kids have no idea. They know he pitched at our place and was good. That's it. They know Luke as a great dude. JP calls him a great teammate, so they know it. And then when he comes around, he doesn't walk around. Hey, I was a first-rounder. I'll let you know if I want to donate some more money or anything like that. It's, hey, nice to meet you. You know, Let me know if you need anything. And then also, hey, just so you know, here's what I kind of learned in my time at UT. This may help you. And he's a great teammate. And so it helps on the front end, but it also, to to finish a tangent, it helps on the back end if you have that approach because when guys walk through the door – you know, or I run into an old teammate, I don't say, oh, that's, you know, Landon Brandis. he hit three eleven his junior year. It's what What the heck was this guy like as a teammate when I was taking ground balls next
1: to him? Well, I mean, and you, you hit on a couple of things that, you know, I mean, we could go off. You know, we're probably going to have to have a part two. You're the type of guy that's definitely got part two. Part Har- two guy. Part two guy. Harrison Smith was a part two guy. Lukey was a part two guy. JP, because it's like. Oh, well, we'll go for 20, 30 minutes, and it's 55 minutes, and then we cut off. And then last time I did it with Harrison, he was like, we could talk for another hour. And, and that's the vibe I'm getting with you. When we talk about brand and social media, I listen to a podcast with David Falk, Michael Jordan's agent. And he's so fed up with everybody saying when they, you know, when he goes to recruit him, uh, what are you going to do with my brand? And he's like, listen, you don't have a damn brand. There's two people in the NBA that have brands right now, mm-hmm. and he said LeBron and, and Curry. And besides that, nobody's a brand. Now I studied another podcast that talks about you can't. And I'm working with a couple uh, professional guys that come in here and train that are like, I want to develop my brand. And I was like, you really can't set a statement of, I want to go develop my brand. Your brand is already who you are. So you would go, hey, Chaz, how do you see me? And I'd write that down, and that would be your brand. So you can't go out and make a brand. And Do you think that social media is creating like everybody has to have a brand instead of just doing what they do? Yeah, instead
0: of being who you are. right? And it kind of goes back to having a true vision of who you are. And it's good you have that exercise of writing down you know, what you see out of a person because I have to consistently remind kids, perception is reality. And you may not be feeling or thinking or doing these things that we're telling you as coaches, but it's what we see. Like when we coach you and you put your head down and you don't listen or shake your head, or then we think you're not coachable. And that may be the most inaccurate thing in the world, but you have to learn and adjust based off of who you are. And Who you are is is not going to you know, there's not going to be a 180 reversal. I mean, there's a lot of years, 18 or 19 years, that led up to a kid being at our place. We're not going to reverse time or, you know, change entirely who they are.
1: That's what we talked about is how do you tweak that? Do you go, okay, I could tweak that, or, oh, my gosh, this kid's not the UT program, because I met your coaches. You were so friendly and gracious to have me up there. And I love your strength coach, your, your pitching coach. Um, The trainer has been up there forever. So I finally got to meet him. Yeah. 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 So I got, you know, I've heard about him from Yanni to JP to Luke to Helton, all the guys. So you have a great environment and you also have that authenticity that we talk about is like, this is a whole, everybody's on the same page. So do you find a player that you can't tweak?
0: Um, you, you know, I don't think so unless he's he's not cooperative. I mean, Frank Anderson is our pitching coach, and I think he's the best in the country.
1: So you and, think everybody – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you think everybody is coachable? You think they could switch and turn and, and a, adapt and adjust to what we're trying to do or buy in? I,
0: I think everyone has that possibility, and as a coach, you're not competitive. I mean, we don't get to play in the game anymore, so you're not competitive if you don't want to keep getting at a kid and trying to find that avenue how you're going to get to him, and that's what I was leaning into is the way Coach Frank coaches pitchers is perfect for this day and age, even though he's our most experienced guy. I'm not allowed to call him our oldest guy, but he's been around for quite some time, so you'd think he's old school, but he's not. He's perfect for this day and age because – he finds out what's going to work for this kid and what does this particular kid need. How do I get to this kid? And then he'll do it. So there's a system for each. You know, if we have a pitching staff of 16 or 17 guys, there's 16 or 17 different programs or plans he has in place. And of course, it all falls under an umbrella of this is Frank Anderson pitching or UT pitching. That's how we're going to do things. But then, as it starts to kind of, uh, you know, spokes come off of that wheel. It's going to be how do we get to this guy, and eventually you got to meet him in the middle, or like I said, a lot of the guys you train meet you in the middle, like a maniac here, and then they take it to the tenth degree because they're also focusing on sleep when they're not away from here, and Food. right diet, and you know.
1: Well, you know what, and and you know, I guess that's why hopefully we have a great relationship for a long time because there's a lot of um, parallels that we have together. You just talked about one thing that. I was raised on from Radomir Kvasiak, one of my mentors from Yugoslavia, is each athlete is different. So you just can't have one program for everybody. So everybody that walks in, somebody has a 10-yard start different than Harrison Smith. So I don't teach anybody the same way. So it's not a CrossFit program. It sounds like it's the same way with... The pitching coach or even your whole philosophy is you work with each individual athlete, what they're bringing to you, and then their strengths are their strengths, like Radomir taught me, God bless his soul, is you better work the strengths a lot more than the weaknesses because the weaknesses you could only bring up two points where the strengths you could bring up. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like work their strengths of what they do, even if it's unorthodox how the speed works. And even the USATF certifications and all the stuff that I I have, they, they teach this step, that, that, and it doesn't work across the board. That's amazing that, that you do that, and you find different athletes different ways. And I always have one thing I always say, and you'll probably agree with it. Some athletes you slap on the ass, Good job, some athletes you could kick in the ass and go, That's that's horrible day. We gotta get better. And you gotta find how to make each athlete work. And yeah. I, th- I think you're I think you're a genius at it. I really do think you have some special qualities.
0: Well that's I don't know how to respond to that. That's a big compliment. I do know though that you'd be out of a job if you kick anybody in the ass. If you slap anybody on the ass nowadays, you're definitely out <laughs> of a job. Welcome to the wood,
1: Jim. <laughs> you're
0: definitely Well, yeah, and, and here for some reason you get away with it, uh, among other things. Yeah. But but no, for, for, for our sport, all, all in all seriousness, and, and not that our sport's better or worse than any other, but our sport mirrors life more, and it, it falls into what you're talking about more, that you have to be comfortable in your own skin for it to work. And if you look at the Red Sox play the Yankees, you're going to see two different lineups, 18 different hitters with 18 different stances, different body types, whereas a sport like football, the Bill Belichick approach of discipline. This is the exact way you're going to do it. Read the playbook. It's, uh, again, I don't want to say. It's his system. You fit into
1: it and adjust or you're out.
0: I mean, like it or not, the more you can turn your guys into robots, you know, on the football field, like your offensive linemen, if you can get them to have the exact same footwork and behave the same way, that's where the strength lies there. Joe Madden, who takes over the Chicago Cubs, and I think – his crazy ways of maybe run their course in Chicago with people. But at the time, they have him to thank for that World Series, in my opinion, because they had the talent, but he brought the talent out of those guys by allowing them to be who they are, do certain things that were unique to them, and it, and it really kind of let guys be comfortable in their own skin, and therefore the whole team was very comfortable. And it just it, it carries over in so many ways, including the fact like, Hey, okay, I'm facing this pitcher, and he's an all-star. He's better than me, but this is who I am, and, and this is how I'm going to beat him. And uh, you know, same thing as a team. Hey, that particular year, we're the Chicago Cubs. This is our thing. We don't care who you are if if you're on the tracks, we're going to run you over. And it just it, it's so incredibly crucial with our sport because a lot of kids don't know who they are. They think perfect game ranked them this, that, and the other, so they're a superstar. Well, no, you're not. You're a guy who doesn't hit home runs, so you better hit the ball on the ground or out of the air. Uh, I could go on and on with picking apart individual differences. But you have to, again, know thyself, and you got to be comfortable with thyself, or your skin
1: is going to be itching and crawling like no other. So do you think, and and that's the whole thing, I didn't know this for the longest time, and, and being in the business almost 29 years now, I've been so educated at all different sports, and baseball is one of them, is how strategic you have to be compared to, like you just said, football, and how life is the com- the comparison, right?
0: It, it is. And, uh, you know, Augie Garrido, God rest his soul, he came and spoke to our team. And one thing Augie wanted to do is create children's books that kind of use baseball as a teaching tool for life, because a lot of baseball is overcoming fears. And I know JP talked about... Example. Well, I mean, JP talked about it with you uh, on his podcast is, you know it started to go downhill a little bit, and now his fears were not only getting out, but what if the crowd boos me, or what if my contract goes away? And, and so now it's how do I tackle, instead of how do I beat this pitcher, it turned into how do I climb this mountain, this Mount Everest of fears, of all these negative and bad things that can happen, and and it kind of goes back trying to make myself sound smart. It goes back to my deal of being comfortable in your own skin. He was always a successful athlete, good looking dude, great personality, great athlete, success, success, success. And yeah, there were some failures, but more than normal started to pile up. And now it becomes this mind game um, that, that really starts when you're a young kid. When you, when you get on the school bus, your fears of, you know, Hey, what if I get on this thing and I have no one to sit next to, or they make fun of my outfit or, or things like that. And, um, you know, there's people smarter than I and wiser than I that can can bring up great baseball examples to with what I'm talking about. But just in bringing it up, I think people are smart enough to kind of see where we're going.
1: Well, we talked about that even uh, before we started the show when you were getting your pump on your uh, Thursday, ca- Thursday morning pump on. It, w-
0: it was a burn some calories so I could <laughs> eat as much Chick-fil-A as you provided.
1: It was a private one on one session with Tony V. We talked about sleep and then you know i brought up the point that i've been listening to on all these podcasts now is like people are uh, concentrate on sleep so much so it gets in their head of not sleeping do you find the same correlation again this summer has been saturated with baseball guys and if they don't always talk about hitting and looking at videos of breaking it down to keeping it tight in here then punching it out and then do you find hitting in golf when a, a golfer gets the yips and you know like a David Duval who just fell apart and never came back and and you talk about J.P. and Sebia, is they focus so much on that that it takes away from what they could actually do
0: yeah I think so I mean I, I think you can get do
1: you understand what I'm saying on that
0: I think I mean you can get too narrow-minded on on one topic and you end up burning a hole in your in yourself because you're doing so but uh, brought, overthinking, yeah. I mean, no question. Overcomplicating anything is it can can be the root of you know businesses failing or whatever it might be. And you know, I haven't had the good fortune of meeting Jimmy Haslam, but you have him in here, and I've I've watched interviews and I've seen what he's doing with that organization. I'm willing to bet there's a lot of simplicity involved in what he does. And speaking of that sport, you talk about the Packers back when Lombardi had them, It was hey, we only got four or five plays on offense. There's not a lot of trigger, but we're going to master those things like no other. I read his
1: autobiography, and it's exactly what he talked about. Yeah,
0: and and so it it was kind of find a simple thing to do, and it's kind of what you've talked about with me before too is, I, I don't know, plumbing, real estate, you may know something about those things, but I'm willing to bet you're definitely not an expert, but you, like a lot of other successful people, have honed in on one skill, and you've mastered it. And so I think, you know, there's there's a delicate balance there. You want want to find what your why is in life and you want to attack it and be passionate about it. But if you start to ignore everything else that goes on the world and that's all you do, like, you know, some football coaches at football, 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 football. Well, what about taking your wife to dinner? Next thing you know, you're divorced. So I don't know if that is a gone in the right direction as far as answering your question no it is 100 i think you have to know your why everyone knows that that's on instagram and it's a famous cliche it's not quite a patronism right patronisms are are way greater than cliches. well you know your why
1: is you because you've talked about that and this is the guy that i was talking about is you could you can't you can't fake passion and you can't coach it and you're so passionate about Baseball. So your skill set is the same as a Jimmy Haslam, the same as a Brian DeBus, the CEO of DeRoyal, the same as a Todd Helton, who's a brother to me. He's not a friend. Yeah. He's a brother to me. As you talk about how he goes, it, Todd's simple. When you look at Todd, you baseball player, like no there's not all these different things he does. And he's great at he's baseball and hunts. And that's about it. You know, and that's what you get from Todd. And with you, even at dinner, eating with us, I mean, you took two phone calls. And I'm like, this guy's never off. And I did think i text you of like, okay, I know where you are in life. I know your age and I know your why. And now at 51, you could go. This is where I am. This is how I am. But right, you remind me so much of me, of the grind, the travel. I mean, you went back and forth to California. Then I was like, okay, how can he turn that off? Like I was telling you with Jim Williams, my life coach, is like, how can he be Tony V and just sit at this table and give me some vulnerability of who else is he? You know, how was your growing up? How was this? You know, what are are your struggles? But it's all baseball. Now talking to you, it's like your knowledge, your plethora of knowledge with baseball
0: well it, it's it's definitely a delicate balance, and you you've got you've got to be able to turn it off every now and then but um i I think the light's always got to stay on, so to speak. I think my dad references Bobby Knight, you know always talk about the head coach's office. The light always stays on, so again it's got to be some extent and and that's because it's your why and you know you brought up Todd I mean Todd was a warrior, and that's why he was good at football that's why he's a good competitor but part of your why is. You know, you're led into that. He was so skilled at hitting that that warrior status streamlined into hitting. And, um, you know, it was his passion forever. And it it engulfs you. And so, again, I I think you fall short of your goals if you don't completely submerge yourself in in what you're trying to do and who you want to be. But I wish we had that magic answer for how do you also involve some other things in your life that bring value to when you're submersing yourself and you're trying to make the Cleveland Browns the greatest, you know, organization or team that particular year.
1: And 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 you and you're 100% right with Jimmy is uh, we just talked a couple of days ago and he comes in two or three times a week and trains at the Wood gym and, and gets the the same way is when he took over that team, I remember him sitting on the bench. I was handing him dumbbells. Yes, I hand Jimmy has them dumbbells. He's probably one of the only guys I hand dumbbells <laughs> to. Is I wanted to ask how do you how do you like going on the NFL team? I said, have you learned a lot? And he goes, I learned that I have a lot to learn. So then when he was going back and forth from pilot to Cleveland so much, I pulled him in the office and I was like, hey, Jimmy, I said, you ever thought about simplifying? I said, you run pilot like a well-oiled machine. You know, the ins and outs because of one thing. You're there 24 You're not with the Browns 24-7, so you're not putting your Tony V mark on it, your Jimmy Haslam mark on the Browns. They don't know how hard you work. They don't see you working and up at 5 in the morning training and doing everything you do. Said so I suggest you give that more time and keep it simple. And, you know, he actually took my advice, and, and I think he's turning it around because— no houses here in Knoxville, and he's up Cleveland, rocking and rolling. Yeah, and and, and it's some, something about being simplistic that's not bad, you know. And it, it's it's biblical. It's great life coaches of like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm running a wood gym, and I'm okay with it. And and part of that simple formula is exactly, you know,
0: kind of what you're getting at. I think with coaches, they get caught up in listening to podcasts and educating yourself. Like it seems like you've kind of turned yourself into a ninja by learning from guys with. Radimir, and if that's yeah. the right Radimir Kavasi, yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. But it, at the end of the day, it has to be you. So if you take over a Papa John's location or whatever it is, the last guy might have been real successful, um, but you can't copy exactly who he was. You have to know who you are, what your why is, and then just be you with it. And a lot of times, it's not necessarily the plan you have, but it's believing in the plan and everyone else being on board and having conviction behind it. So, you know, a great analogy for that is a pitcher up on the mound. Hoach, you know, the catcher calls the wrong pitch, the scouting reports wrong, or, or Hoach is determined he wants to throw this. Pitch. It doesn't matter if it's the right pitch. It's if he's got conviction behind it. And if it does, then nine times out of ten, it's going to work.
1: And, and and you're so right. I mean, all the, all the people I've had in life – the the CEOs, the high-end professional guys, and I'll go back to Todd, because when he's in here, I'm like, and the the high school kids and the college guys are in here, the minor leaguers, whoever, I'm like, Todd, give him one one tidbit of what to hit. And he's like, just hit the ball hard. And he breaks it down that much of just hitting the ball hard. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's – I mean – unfortunately it does um you, you wish you could spell it out and, and give kids a list of if you do these 20 things you'll be a great athlete you do these 20 things you'll be a great hitter or pitcher but it's just do the thing and, and I, I forget what the philosopher was but um it's the literally the phrase just do the thing whatever right. the thing is you're trying to do or who you're trying to be just do the thing mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't do that and and I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm built like a 12-year-old. But, you know, for me, I've kind of figured out I'm not a world-class athlete. I just need to do something every day to burn calories. It doesn't have to be set aside an hour and a half and warm up and cool down and follow this exact program. You know, just do the thing. And, and for me, you know, if I don't exercise a little bit, then I'll, right. I won't be as energetic as the guys are on the field.
1: That's that's awesome. I mean, this this is absolutely – Amazing! Can we please do another part two?
0: Is there going to be food?
1: There's going to be more Holly, more food. Of
0: course. As you got it. Does this bottle of whiskey always stay closed? <laughs> or right. round two does <laughs> round
1: two does that open up? It's there. It's there. Tony, man, it's been a pleasure. I love it, and uh, we'll definitely do a part two. Thanks for coming through. You bet. Thank you. Appreciate it. it. Thanks, buddy.